Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Virginia Cavaliers are now 0-5 after another heartbreaking loss this time to Boston College. Three points yet again. And the Wahoos come out flat yet again. We got a lot to talk about. Got a lot to discuss. Got a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I'm going to provide my feedback. So it's the Ball Hawk Show podcast. Appreciate you for taking time out today to listen to the latest from me. And if you haven't, make sure you follow me on Twitter at I am Ball Hawk and Instagram at I am Ball Hawk and provide feedback on Spotify, iTunes, and Believe Network. So without further ado, let's get this episode started. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Unconditional love. Talking about the stuff that don't wear off. It don't fade. Now it lasts for all these crazy days. These crazy nights. Whether you wrong or you right. A mama can still love you. Still feel you. Still there for you. No matter what. What up, 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 do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amal Hawkers. Again, appreciate you for taking time out today to listen to this latest episode of the show. It's going to be a tough episode right here, man, because, uh, yeah. Got to get right to it. Got to get right to it. Got a job to do. Um, I know a lot of people don't really want to, <laughs> don't really want to recap the game. They just want to get right to the like, to the nitty gritty. It ain't about X's and O's. It's about mindset. Like what's really going on. As much as I look at this film, this 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 game, the third quarter, ain't no way, boy, ain't no way. That third quarter was trash can juice. All the way around. You talking about getting your hind parts kicked? You come out of the halftime and you you flat on both sides of the ball? That can't happen. That You know what? Let me go. You know what? We're going to set the mood for this episode. Y'all sit back and enjoy some of the NFL's most memorable post-game tie races. This is just the energy Petty Hawk on. Let's just listen to some. Totally kicked. We couldn't this do Jim Moore. diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We in the second half. We we couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our. That's that. That sounded like Saturday. It's almost like Jim Moore was on the field with a Saturday. That that hit home right there. Everything he said hit home. Let's keep going. Totally kicked in the second half. Hey, listen to don't talk to me, all right? Now nah, we ain't listening. To, that's when Ryan Leaf went off on a reporter. We 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 getting back to the coaches. Let's see what Callahan got to say. Got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the game, and I'm highly critical because of the way we give games away. We give them away, period, and uh, it's embarrassing. And I represent that and. Uh, I apologize for that, but that's the best we can do. Uh, that's a sad product. 
So if you got the crosshairs, you got the you got the laser, you can put it right on my chest, I'll take full responsibility. I'm raising the stakes right now. This is a poker game, I'm shoving my chips to the middle of the table. I'm raising the ante, anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. Okay? This team is going to the playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Y'all playoffs? remember this one. You kidding me? <laughs> playoffs? Playoffs? I hope we can win a game. Another game. There's three quarterbacks in this football team. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever ones don't, we'll back him up. Period. Cut and dry. It's nobody's concern but ours. Nobody's. Next. Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. <laughs> Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? <laughs> okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. <laughs> what next? This is how I believe, okay? Uh-oh. I'm from the old school. I believe this. Let's go, Mike. I would rather play with ten people and just get penalized all the way until we gotta do something else. Rather than play with eleven when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? (laughs) Hello? You play to win the game. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their <laughs> Rest in peace. But they are who we thought they were. Didn't and we let them off the hook. So how I had a Twitter space yesterday. Salute to those coaches, those great coaches. And rest in peace, Denny Green. I had a Twitter space yesterday that uh, got men in black at the end. Because, you know, it got animated. Um, but... It's folks who really don't care for Tony Elliott's body language and the things that he says after the game. I guess they want him to show more fire and um, frustration. So I shared this. It's like, is that, is that what people want or do you want like a happy medium? Because I feel like like yesterday, if you go back through the transcript of what he said post-game, he took onus. He said it was on he said it was on him. You know, I've got to do a better job as a coach, along with the staff, of helping them make the transition to understand that when you have success, you can't take your foot off the gas. You can't become complacent. Every play, every drive, until the game is over, you got to be looking at how can I get better? How can I improve? How can I rely on my fundamentals even more? I will say this. I remember talking to him after we beat Georgia Tech. And he was saying these same things last year. He was like, yo, these guys just got to learn how to win. Like, they got to learn how to just keep playing, not just looking at the scoreboard and trying to hold on, but continue to be aggressive, continue to attack, continue to uh, follow through on their assignments. And and a lot of times, he just said, so some coaches, they can get right through to players. Like, they, they connect with them. The player run right through a wall for him from day one. And then some coaches, it just take an assistant or this coach to really get through to certain players to truly understand, like, yo, what I'm telling you is to benefit you. You don't have all the answers. And I think you see right now, because this is what I see on film, I just see a lot of times, like, 
players would start out well or or play calling would start out well because it's it's I'm not just pointing at players. I'm not just pointing at coaches. I, I always like to be fair, and I think that's why I frustrate a lot of fans because I try to be fair in my assessment because as a former player, I try to pull on my experience as a former player, and then from a fan point of view, I understand now, and I've learned over the years, and I've gotten better. I've been guilty of going at fans like, oh, you never been there. You need to shut up. I had to take a step back and just be like, you know what? That's not fair for me just to say that because there are successful people that's in the sport of football that never played, but they still understand conceptually and conceptually what it takes to be successful. You know, like if you're around certain certain things for a long time, you didn't have to do it to, to truly understand what success looks like and what you can pattern out there. You know, that's why we always harp on like what coaches before did. The good things they did before, we pull on those positive experiences and we say, hey, can you try this? And if not, how come? And then if somebody explains, well, the moving parts are different. The philosophy is different. It's just tough to ask this coach to do what that old coach used to do because everybody has, believe it or not, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, everybody has their own system that they, in a sense, mastered. Like, you can't just get a Bill Walsh old playbook or like any of your top offensive coordinators in America today, you just can't, they just can't take their playbook and be like, here you go, Dez, run these plays. Dez doesn't understand how you're set. Like he wouldn't understand how to set up certain plays off a certain play. Like, I guess what I, what I be trying to say is a lot of times, a lot of times when a player is pulling from his true experience and they you'll see frustration on Twitter. It's like, like you'll see one inspection, like, like take Kurt Ben Kurt. Shout out to Kurt. Quarterbacks see the game differently. So a quarterback will look at things and be like, it's simple. Like they'll look like if you ever talk to a quarterback, when they talk about the game, bro, you just be like, oh my, like they like, they like mad scientists. They they could break down the game quick. Not saying that. They could perform it, but their brain just operates on a different wavelength. So in certain players with certain situations, I defer to, just like offensive line, I defer to Ray Roberts quick. I ask big bro, like, hey, man, with this scheme, what should have happened? If it come to DBs, I'll go. I'll talk to Cub. I'll talk to other known defensive backs that played in the NFL to make sure I'm not tripping. I just don't rely on myself. So – I guess I'm saying that to say, like, because I'm speaking more to Twitter right now and, and the fans on message boards and things like that, like salute to the Sabres, salute to 247, all the folks who, who provide their feedback. And, again, as y'all can see, we 11 minutes in, and I'm not even getting to the X and O's of the game because I think right now nobody want to talk about the goddamn on X and O's right now. I'm just I'm checking the pulse of the fan base, and y'all, y'all know up and down. Y'all saw what y'all saw yesterday. You saw what you saw. You saw what I tweeted I feel like when the when when we start the beginning of the games, I feel like when it's scripted and it's prepared, I think Dez does a very good job of scripting plays. And one thing I re- I learned about this damn app is that you got to overstate what you're saying because when people saw me say that, they're like, "Oh, he's not great, he's terrible." Then, but what about the other what follows? Grant, like, bro, I'm only talking about the ten. I'm basically saying I wish. We can duplicate the script as the game go on because when he's on script, he's very good. 
And nobody fights that, but some people just get so, they want to be just combative. They just want to like, not rain on your parade, because that's 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 kind of disrespectful to say they want to rain on my parade. But I just think like some folks just, they just I think they just want to serve me, shut the hell up, juice. Is that what it is? Do y'all just want to serve me, shut the hell up, juice? When y'all fully understand where I'm coming from, and you still just attack it. Because if, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Maybe I serve you, shut the hell up, juice, and you've been waiting on the day to serve me, shut the hell up, juice, and that's fine. I'm immune to shut the hell up, juice. I can't be served, shut the hell up, juice. I could be proven wrong. But the shut the hell up juice moniker does not work on the father of this juice. You can't serve me that something that pours in through my veins. You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to, like, no, nah, that's nasty. I can't say that. Um, but, yeah. So when it comes to, because somebody was, you know, in the space yesterday was just saying, you know, Tony just, I really just can't stand, like, his body language or how he talks at the end of the games. And I'm just like, I just think he wants to be respectful like, you can tell this dude frustrated, bro. Like, last year, people used to get upset with him on the sideline for yelling at players in the heat of the battle. On one hand, folks would say this new generation is soft. These players are soft. The game is soft. We need some toughness. I even saw yesterday certain decisions are soft. This is soft. That's soft. And this don't pertain to you if you don't feel like yelling at a player it's wrong. But if you're a player, people that are saying that the generation is soft, and then on the, on the other hand, you say, oh, you shouldn't be yelling at the player like that. What are we doing? Because, like, in a way, you got to be reprimanded in the heat of the battle. That comes with sports. There's no different than you saying fire him. That comes with the business, right? When you sign up to play a sport, you you run the risk of being reprimanded by your coach while they're using an elevated voice. Now, I'm not saying they have to curse you out. Notice I'm saying they're holding you accountable while raising their voice. That's going to happen. But you have people who don't like it. You got people who don't like that Tony Bennett don't wear ties. It's just is what it is. People don't like certain things about somebody and they harp on that. Now, let's stick to this football, what took place? UVA came out, new quarterback, Tony Musket. That first series, efficient. Play calling was very good, was balanced. We tried to run like a quick speed option to start the game off, and I believe, let me go, let me go to the play chart. I want to make sure I'm accurate. Let's, let's go. Start no huddle. Yep, we had the, the rush to the left, which was the quick option. Second and five, we ran shotgun. Short pass to Malachi Fields on a stop on a hammer route versus press. Got a first down on first down. Musket had a rush for nine yards. I want to say it was a quarterback draw, but maybe he just got flushed out. I'm not looking at the film right now. I'm looking at the play sheet. Then then second and one, we ran an inside zone, which we had like the 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 end held musket, so musket gave it to pace. And that end dropped down and clipped uh, Kobe by the back of his foot. And that run play, we got really, like this one. I understand about you offensive linemen, man. Is the conditioning with y'all like what's going on? Because you, the first series, y- y'all get a y'all like the past couple games, y'all been getting a push. It's many games that I highlighted on my iPad 
that I saved. And I'm just like, that I probably share on Twitter just to show you, you fans and stuff. Like, look, man, they get a push. Like, what, what the hell? Like, why you can't consistently do that? Like, what's going on? But anyway, let's, let's stay, let's stay with the drive. Next play was a pass incomplete. Um, that's when we tried to throw behind the back shoulder throw that Malika actually dropped, in my opinion. Um, the next play, we ran Kobe on the inside zone for four yards. So we done ran the ball for five yards, ran the ball for nine yards, ran the ball for four yards, ran the ball for four yards. On third and six, had a pass, uh, short pass play on a dig route. Well, not a short pass play, but we had a pass play. Um, that was to Malachi. That was a dig route, 18 yards, very good throw. The next one was a pass to Malik when he got flushed out the pocket on the run, 23-yard gain. And then we had an inside zone to um, Hollins on a six-yard line that got blown up. So we ran an inside zone to Hollins, right? We used the same exact formation, if if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at the film, but if I remember correctly, we ran the same exact formation, the same exact motion when Malik coming across the formation from the field to the boundary. We hiked the ball. We faked it to Mike, and then we threw it to Mike. So we set it up. So it was almost like we ran that run play to see what type of reaction we would get. We saw they were crashing. And in, 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 in past games, we have shown that we'll run the same play back to back. But he set it up. He ran the play action. We got a touchdown off of it. That drive was a very good drive. Very good drive. But then we go to the second drive. Let's see. Our second drive, we had a rush to the right for two yards, then a rush to the right again for one yard, and then we got sacked. I think I remember that sack. I want to say Tony could have threw it to the mesh route. So we had a mesh route for Malachi coming from the field to the boundary, I believe. Somebody was coming from the field to the boundary. Again, I don't have my iPad in front of me. But I felt like – so here's my issue with with this drive. After we got this stop versus Boston College, they went for it. No, they didn't go for it. They punted the ball. So we 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 got them on the six and out. Six plays and out. We get the ball back. I I, I get it. We ran on first down the first series. But once we ran the ball and got two yards, I want to throw the ball again. That's my that's my hiccup. I don't want to run back to back. I don't ever want to see us run back to back. Like that that's that's I think that's my issue. Especially when we get stops. When we get stops, I want to see us continue to be aggressive. Now let's get to that. I just feel like we're not a very aggressive offense after we have some success. We're aggressive when we're looking for success. But once we achieve success, we're not aggressive anymore on offense, in my opinion. I feel like then we feel like, all right, let's Take some clock away. No. Keep being aggressive. I feel like you guys, when you're aggressive, Des, I feel like the players become aggressive. I feel like the offensive line actually responds better. But when we try to run and we become complacent, I think it trickles down. I think it's a trickle-down effect. I really do. I really do. 
It's not me trying, you know, trying to take a personal shot, but I really do. I really feel like, um, I really feel like we are a reflection of our coaches. So that's just how I feel. I could be wrong. This is my personal opinion. I'm not saying you're not a good play caller. I'm saying you got to stay aggressive. If we want the players to stay locked in and stay focused, you can you can tell as a player if you feel like your coach is just settling. We was like, God rest his souls with Coach Wells. We would laugh and joke. We'd be like, come on, Coach, let's, like, let's go after him. Let's, you know, and we're young, so we don't understand. And at the end of the day, you still got to execute. But there's times where George would be like, all right, we got to open it back up. Y'all knew it was times where George would just start running. Where we, you know, they say he started playing not to lose and, I, you know, the defense is hitting on all cylinders, so it's like you don't you want to make sure your defense is getting the rest, but that doesn't mean you can't still be aggressive. You can't you can still create organized chaos. Hold on. But that that's just that's just what I saw, man. I really did. I think defensively, man, I like what I saw in the first half. Uh I like that Dre. Dre Walker got the start. Um, Cam got another start. Cam Robinson, you know, then Ahern, you know, came in and did some great things. Ahern, you you played your high part. So uh, I thought James Jackson did a good job flowing. I really thought, man, the first half, our D-line and our defense did a very good job. A very, very good job. Until that last drive before the half where the, the pass interference penalty Definitely helped them out. And I feel like, yo, Cal, let me holler at you, man. I feel like if you outside leverage, bro, versus the slot and you got inside help because the free safety's there and you open up your hips with your butts to the sideline, a sail route should not beat you. You should not have to baseball turn. Like, understand leverage. That's all I ask corners. Like, I could speak emphatically at the receiver position, at the corner position, because I actually play those positions. So that's why I'll speak to those positions without – hesitation if you are executing a certain leverage if you are outside leverage you take those routes away like a baseball turn is showing me that you are out of position nobody baseball turns if they already got leverage that way that's when you just open your hip 45 degree and come downhill like you don't Baseball turn when you already outside leverage and you run the outside right like you just ran a circle for no reason. Cause now he all now the quarterback saw so the quarterback the quarterback identified that you're baseball turning. So he's gonna dog him, meaning he's gonna bring him back. He's gonna throw it to his back shoulder. Because you understand you got outside leverage. When you baseball turn, you really went to the sideline fast. So that's why you had to slow down and grab his hip. And he threw it behind him, so it made you drift, which you wanted to make sure that, hey, I can't let him catch his book because he catched that ball as him and um, Harrod one-on-one. But that should have that, that been you coming downhill, picking that. Either you coming downhill, you picking that, or he don't even throw it. I don't think he throws it. If you don't, if you don't baseball turn, he's not making that throw. And he's getting sacked by Famui. He's getting sacked. Famui got, got home. Matter of fact, you might have got a pick because he just threw it because he was about to get sacked. So I only think he dogged it on purpose. He just threw a duck. 
And I really feel like if you would have stayed but to the sideline, basically like the like the corner did versus Malachi for Boston College. He showed press, he bailed, had his butt to the sideline, he looking at the quarterback, and he was looking to undercut. All that's all you had to do. You got your butt to the sideline, you drifting back. If you run dig, if you run post, you run right into Harrod. Harrod could come down here. Harrod see him. That was my only hiccup on that. Oh, and then we got a pass in the front. I just felt like Malcolm grabbed the receiver for nothing. But anyway, that that to me, that was the only defensive series where we had a lapse. Other than that, you guys played your butts off. You played your butts off, bro. Y'all held them in check. I love that the defense alignment were, were taking the proper angles to make sure uh, Castellonis wasn't outflanking them. I saw many a times that Fumui, instead of coming flat, he would run to the intersection, intersection point. He would use his angle to make sure he would get upfield to get their quarterback. Chico going against two and three guys. Like every time Chico been a Russian, he getting chipped by somebody. He just got a motor. He going. We ran some stunts. We ran some different games up front. So we was making him uncomfortable. And then at the end of the and so I do want to say, as you can see, the staff will listen to you guys because we ran the quarterback sneak. And then we got a penalty. Here's what I do want to say. We got to clean this up. We got to clean up the penalties. It's ridiculous. It's getting it's getting out of control now. It's really irritating me. It really is. Like I don't know what's going on with you guys. You got to stay locked in. But it it's just trash. It kills our drives. Like we got stuff going on, and all of a sudden y'all just be jumping the gun. You so nervous because everybody you you know gets speed rush on you, so you trying to get out of your stance fast, or you getting handsy. And you grabbing. You gotta you gotta work on your foundation, work on your technique. You gotta do something, man. Cause something gotta change. Either we gotta make a change up there or something gotta change. Something gotta change. Something gotta change. There's been times when I've seen y'all just get destroyed too. Off the like as soon as the ball snap, boom. One of y'all just in the backfield on your hind parts. You gotta have some pride, bro. Like if somebody if somebody is just toasting me, God dang it, I gotta look at myself like, man, I gotta fix this. I can't keep doing this to my team. Eleven penalties for ninety yards is unacceptable. That's unacceptable. I hope y'all running in a lot. I hope that's a lot of conditioning going on for eleven penalties for ninety yards. Yeah. And it, and it happened like they killers, bro. They killers. We had three straight plays that go that went for 10 yards or more. And we rolling and we going no huddle. They can't substitute. We got them spread out. They can't bring pressure. And all of a sudden we get a holding penalty. And then right after the holding penalty, we get a false start. Like what the hell? Why are you false start? Not that we just got a penalty. Why? Why are you false starting that guard on a pass play? Why? I can see the tackle. I can see tackles false starting on a pass play. I can. Because they got to kick, 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 get up out of there. They got to get out of dodge. But you at guard getting illegal procedures? Come on, son. Come on, man. 
So, yeah, it was just drive right here. We had a no huddle. We had a pass to uh, Malik for 15 yards. Then we had a Mike Hollins rush for 13 yards. Then we had a Tony Musket rush for 11 yards. Then Musket got out the pocket, and there was a holding call on Nana. And then Furnace had a five-yard penalty. So it was first and 25. They get pressure. We had incomplete to P. Jones. Then we run P. Jones for five yards. And then on third and 20, we throw a pass to Mike Hollins for eight yards. And then we got a punt. Can't say nothing bad about the defense in the first half, really. Offensively, you got to stay aggressive, man. Mm-mm-mm. I do want to say this, man. For the love of for this, this is like a sidetrack because I just looked at some of the questions. Can can we do a can can we can we? Because I know y'all saw them play on TV last night. They lost to Notre Dame, but salute the Duke. For all the folks who are older, can we realize like as thing. Things evolve. Sometimes the hard truth, you just ain't going to accept it. Like when people be like, oh, Duke's more more accomplished than us as a football program. That's sad. We restarted. It's a low day. This, I didn't think this would never happen. You ain't been paying attention since 2013 then. If we go the last decade, let me, let me, share, let me share with y'all. Shout out to... Danny Nickel, because I had this discussion with him. He actually shared the screenshot. So let me share something with y'all that you probably ain't going to like, that you ain't going to want to listen to. But we're going we gonna to talk about it because this is what we're doing right now. Because everybody keep bringing up Duke. Duke, Duke, this, Duke, that, Duke, Duke, Duke. Duke has won since 2013 69 football games. 60, 69 to 61. Maybe that's just the ACC. I think that's just the ACC. Oh, it might be all right. Anyway, 69 to 61. UVA is at the very bottom of the ACC. 50 wins and 75 losses. So can we stop acting like Duke just became a better football program? Like, I, I got both. Look. So I got our 120 year history of Virginia football. Cause for some people, people think we were just a juggernaut. We were good. Were we ever really a great, like I'm just being honest with y'all. Were we really ever a great consistent winner? We were a good winner, but can you ever call this football program? Like, I, you know, during George years, you could say, yeah, it's great. Because, you know, from 89, they was ranked as high as 15, to 90, number one, 91, 19, 92, 10, 93, 15, 13, 95, 9, 96, 12, and 1998, number seven, uh, 22, 22. So 99 was the last year Coach Walsh had a ranked team in the AP during the season. It was number 22. That was the highest. Coach Wells had one, two, three, four, five, six seasons in which his teams were ranked in the top 25 at the end of the season. 
the best being 1994 when they were ranked 15th at the end of the season. 16th the next season at the end of the season, 95, when they won the ACC. And that was the year they won back-to-back bowl games, the Independence Bowl and the Peach Bowl, 94 to 95. Then my second year here, we were ranked 18th at the end of the year after we lost to Georgia in the Peach Bowl. We were 9-3 on the season. Coming to that game, we were 9-2. The losses were to Florida State and Georgia Tech. We blew a second-half lead versus Georgia Tech and just lost to Florida State. But then you had Grohe, he came in in 2002. His high was 22, and he entered the season ranked 22. Then he was AP 18th. By the end of the year, he was not ranked at all. Then the following season, he was preseason ranked 16th, and he entered the season 23rd after being ranked as high as number six. Then the following season, 25. And then by the end of the season, he wasn't ranked. The next year, wasn't ranked. 2007, got up to 16, that wasn't ranked, even though they won nine games. 2008, no rank. 2009, no rank. 2010, no rank. Then Mike London got up to 24 in 2011, ended up not being ranked. He was 8-5 and five that year. Then we had no ranked season until we finished, I mean, until we got up to 25 in 2018. And then it was 23rd in 2019 and finished the college football playoffs number 24. But since 2013, Duke was ranked 23rd, 2019, 22, 22. This year, 17 is their highest. They won 10 games with Cutcliffe and... 2013, then nine games, then eight games, then four games, then seven games, then eight games, then five, two, three. He he left. And granted, he even started off shaky. Cutcliffe was four and eight, then five and seven, then three and nine and three. You know goodness well. Man, let me see. So people was asking Mike to be fired after he went two and ten. And then he went five and seven. Then he went four and eight. Duke actually kept Cutcliffe after he went three and nine back to back season, his third and fourth season. Then his fifth season, he went six and seven. They got to a bowl. Then he won 10 games. Then he won nine. Then he won eight. Then four. Then he went to two straight bowl games again. Then his last three years, where Bronco pretty much owned, like his last four years, Bronco owned him. And now you bring in Mike Elko. Like Mike Elko, everybody keeps saying, my Elko, my Elko's like, bro, man, just respect. Like, at the end of the day, man, I just respect Duke for where they are right now. I don't look at them like they were when they were essentially trash. And I can't say they trash can juice because they beat me head to head one year in 99. They was 3-8 and eight that year. And they beat us. Like, my years here, Duke won two games, four games, three games, and they were 0-11 in 2000. So if anybody that watched Duke like in the 90s post, you know, like, yeah, in the 90s, if you started from the 90s, yeah, Duke, some trash can juice. Once they got to 13, they won't trash can juice no more. So I don't I don't always get the correlation of comparing ourselves. I really don't. 
I really, I really feel like you just got like, I guess, and and this is my personal stance. I don't like comparing myself to anybody. God got a plan just for me. Just like he got a plan just for this program alone. Like you, like when you compare, you just make, you just make it worse. In my opinion, like it drives you nuts even more. It really does. In my opinion. Oh, why they did it. Will they do it? Like, that's when you start telling kids, oh, so-and-so made it, so can you. No, that ain't true. You better tell them more. You better tell them how much work that individual put in, how he took advantage of an opportunity, how timing is everything, how a little bit of luck has to come into play. It's just like everybody makes it so cut and dry that I really feel like they, are, they, they aren't comfortable with having these real conversations because then they feel like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Like, you're not wrong. I just feel like we do ourselves a disservice by just throwing stuff out there versus saying, because I feel like you take away from Elko, like he just, like, he just, no, I ain't going to say you take away. You don't take away from Elko. I, I don't. I really feel like he just did a phenomenal job. He was just a, he was, he was a, a hire that they didn't know what they had. It's almost like Tony Bennett here. It was a home run. Right now, you can say Tony's been a miss. He got three wins. We're on an eight-game losing streak. We ain't won since last October. It's October now. So maybe we win our next game, our first game of October. And ironically, they, they wear a little bit of gold like Georgia Tech, but you know what I'm saying. But I don't know, like, because it's questions like, what can we do with the program going forward? I don't really have the answers. I really don't. I just – Continue to encourage folks to come out and support the players. They're really trying to win each and every game. Coaches don't spend all this time in the film room to be trash and to be abysmal and to be terrible. Like, nobody goes out on the field to be terrible. We have the luxury of seeing results, and then we can say, oh, you shouldn't have did that. We do. It's times that, like I've said in the past, that it's been a good play call, but somebody didn't execute it right. It's been times when we had adjustments and it wasn't executed correctly. I could see conceptually that, oh, that's a good idea. But it's like, damn, if these guys were pros, I'll say names and say who missing this tackle, who missing that block, who missing that just to really drive home. Like, and I really don't have enough time to do NFL breakdowns, but I'm an Eagles fan. I watch a lot of like Eagle games. So when I be in spaces talking to other Eagles fans, I could say, oh, Jalen Hurts should have did X, Y and Z. Oh, Devontae Smith right here should have ran his route like this. Or this lineman, he he did this. Because they get they pros, they're getting paid. So, you know, people come at me and, you know, people uh, at me yesterday. Shout out to uh, Enoch that came in the spaces. But he had added me. That was the first time I have a conversation. But he added me. It was like, I know unlike Ballhawk, who doesn't call for coaches to be fired and they went on that rant. I'm I'm always transparent why I don't say a coach should be be fired. Like here's the thing, bro. I sometimes I get kind of frustrated cuz I'm I'm put in a difficult situation by like different fans. So I remember when coach Elliott the hiring process was was taking place. And I had a couple spaces when we got word that Dex from Jerry Radcliffe that, you know, Dex was already all you know, whatever he reported, I'll just leave that there. 
He was reporting things, and I was recapping what was being reported. I'm a recapper. <laughs> That's what I do. I recap things that are already out. So I was recapping certain situations, people filing in, asking me, what's your thoughts? And me being Mr. Fair, I play devil's advocate. I give you one end of the spectrum, and I give you the other end of the spectrum. But I can't control when people come in spaces and when they leave spaces. So if somebody come in spaces and they see me playing one end of the spectrum or they came in late, they don't understand that I'm giving you both sides of the coin. So you had some folks who swapping down that I was against Tony Elliott being hired because I really wanted Dex to have the job. And then you have folks who was like, Ballhawk don't want us to hire Dex because that's his friend and he don't want him to be susceptible to negativity again and you could say all those people who report anything they heard they were right because they heard me doing both ends of the spectrum so if somebody said well I heard you in your space say this yes you did hear me say that but did you understand what I was doing in that segment I was giving you this is if I supported Dex I would want this is something that would give me cause to pause as far as Dex being the coach. This is something that will have me in support of Tony. This is why I probably wouldn't want Tony. So if somebody come in spaces, they just hear what they hear, they leave, they go, and they report on what they heard. And they're not lying. They just don't understand that, yo, if you listen to the whole thing, you'll know he's not against either or. Because people always say, hey, Ballhawk, would you want Dex to be the coach? I'd be like, man, I would love for Dex to be the coach, but then I would also be terrified. Because he's a, he's a very good friend of mine, looked up to him, and I wouldn't want him to go through what he went through when he was a special team coach. I remember, I remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm so active on message boards, and I can't fault folks for feeling the way they do when they feel like a coach is failing at their position, at what they do. I can't. So as many times as a fan may feel a certain way for a former player and, and again, I can't control how former players talk. I try to make sure I'm respectful to a fan if I'm talking on one of these apps. Only time I may get really disrespectful if I feel like I'm disrespected. And I have to continue to do a better job of communicating that, hey, I felt like you just disrespected me. Were you trying to disrespect me? Now, if somebody confirms that they're trying to disrespect me and they don't give two you-know-whats if, if my feelings are hurt, then I'm going to give the same energy without a shadow of a doubt, and I'm not going to feel bad. But a lot of times, in the past, I would just snap on folks, and then that person would be like, yo, I didn't know I disrespected you. And I'd be like, damn, I feel like a dumbass. My bad. So I've gotten better. But I've seen some of my brothers go at some of y'all. I have. But I ain't. I can't be out here caping for everybody. Y'all, y'all kill me when I take up for coaches and stuff. I can't be out here caping. Maybe if I cape for you one time, then you be like, okay, boho, he means well. Because y'all try to, y'all try to, they try to get me. Y'all try to pack me up yesterday. They try to pack me up. You know what I'm saying? In a sense, like they like you could tell when somebody talking about you, but they don't really want to at you because if they at you, then it's like they really throwing a shot at you. But they trying to be respectful. But they really got you in mind when they got the tweet. I get it. It's fine. And I own it. You know what I'm saying? Like when my man Brandon Lloyd, salute to Brandon. Me and Brandon played basketball, pick up basketball against each other for years. So any time y'all see my in it, my exchanges with him, just know that's like locker room talk with me and him. Like I ain't got no 
heart, no ill will versus him. But when he was like, how can anybody defend this coaching staff? And I retweeted it. I said, I'll defend him. I'll ride with him. I'm good. Like, I, I'll be on front street. I never got an issue. Like, me as a former player, I'm going to support the coaching staff here. That's just me. I'm around them. I'm talking to them. Like, I ain't two-faced, bro. I'm not. I'm not a two-faced dude. I ain't no snake. I ain't no sucker. I ain't going to befriend you and then get on these apps and start bashing you. If anything, I'm going to have a conversation with you first as a man. But then as a man, some men just do man things when they know somebody personally. So that's why I don't personally go at Tony or go at Dez in the way that y'all want me to because I personally talk to them. That's, that ain't that ain't a man way to go about it, in my opinion. That's just my culture. That's just why, how I was raised, where I come from. That's just me. And I'm not saying you less of a person for doing it. We all know when you don't got a personal relationship with somebody, you're going to blast them. You don't know them. But when you know somebody, you build a relationship with somebody. Like you guys, if I ever talk to you, interact with you on a message board or on these apps, courtesy of my podcast, or if you see me in person, I really feel like your respect for me won't allow you to just go out on Twitter and dog me. You probably hit me up personally behind the scenes. Or you may even first say, you know, I love you, but... And even how you deliver it, it's going to be more uh, receptive to me, like by me, because how you communicated it. I shouted out Brandon yesterday. He communicated something about Tony, about, hey, man, you're a great human being. It just is like you might not be the guy for the job. I was like, bro, that's actually, I commend you for that. That's big of you because I know he like to just throw pet. Like, that's, that's me. He going to talk his talk. But for him to just be respectful in his manner, I was like, yo, that's that's dope. I ain't got no issue with that. I really don't. I ain't got no issue if you take petty shots. But if I know you personally, I'm going to have fun with you. My dog Darius Wynn always be going there, coaches. Always. And I go, I, whether you see me on Twitter, behind clothes, we play 2K together. I'd be like, dog, you tripping. But that's my guy. Like, I know him. So I'm going to talk to him. If I don't know y'all personally, and y'all say something about a coach, you ain't don't worry about me. I ain't gonna say nothing to you. I'm really not. Unless you come on one of my tweets. If you come on one of my tweets and start talking bad about a coach, then I may respond. I might. It's not 100% sure. And even when I'm responding to you, I'm treading lightly because I really I don't know you. So who am I to just try to engage in this back and forth when you don't even follow me? I don't follow you. We ain't never really had interactions. Like, most of the time, I'm like, yo, how this person start talking to me? Like, who is this person? Have I talked to this person before? That's most of the time that's what I'm doing. And then, I, you know, I'm, I'm not above reproach. Like, I'm not no big millionaire out here making seven figures, you know, owning a bunch of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll, I'll talk to somebody. I'm not above constructive criticism. <laughs> I had somebody tell me that day, like, hey, man, I feel like you'll never let nobody just share their side. And I was like, you know what? Let me really see what I'm doing to this person currently for them to feel that way. And I'd be like, yo, bro, that wasn't my intent. Like, you can share your thoughts. I'm not shooting your thoughts down. I'm not even debating with you. I'm just having a discussion. Because in a debate, it's like you're trying to prove who's right and wrong. I try to stay out of debates. I can't tell somebody how to feel after a game, bro. I can't tell nobody how to feel about Tony Elliott. I just said me personally. To answer some people's question, I still support him. Would I remove him as head coach? I wouldn't. Not right now. 
because because for for me to make for me to follow through with something, I already got to have a solution. And I don't even got the solution. So just say if I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fire Tony. Who, who, I don't even know who, like, who would sign up for this brand called University of Virginia Football? Who would want to be a part of this brand right now? And the turmoil has been through the past couple of years. We had a guy that was a great man that helped turn the program around after three years, then got us to win a bowl game, then got us to the Coastal Championship, then got us to the Orange Bowl. COVID hit, went 500 back-to-back years, felt like he was tired and left, went, you know, without anybody knowing, created uproar. And then you had a, a guy come in that everybody was calling like this offensive guru and one of the best assistant coaches in America, even got the award for it. He takes a job not understanding that the old guy that was here was frustrated because he felt like it was no follow-through. But as soon as that old coach left and a new coach begins, we we get groundbreaking news. We get big wads of donations to help build follow-through with the master plan. And then the foundation crumbles, which was the guys up front. The guys up front left. We We haven't recovered from that, bro. Like, think about every game as a fan, what you say. And this is not a knock on those guys up front. It's not. I'm just being real. I told you it's going to be a real episode. And it's like, it's like it's a broken record because everybody just forget that you can't win without a foundation unless you are super creative and it has to be a headache to be a play caller when you just don't know if you can consistently protect that guy that's throwing the football. And you know you really can't consistently run the football. Like, when Brendan Armstrong put put up those video game numbers, bro, one thing for sure was that we could protect Olu, Bobby Haskins, Glazier, Schwoboda. All those dudes can protect. They could protect. And we just didn't want to run the football because it was so fun. We got all these weapons on the outside. We got an avatar as a Jelani Woods at tight end, Wicks, Keaton, Billy Kemp. The list goes on and on, the weapons we got. But through all that glitz and glamour, the foundation was there and it was up front. The reason why we were so successful in 2019 because of the foundation up front. We saw what happened in 2019 when we couldn't protect the Notre Dame game. When they were trying to rip Bryce Perkins' fingers off. And then we saw what happened, what we had to do. So, Because sometimes complimentary football is just an answer for an answer. Because when we lost Bryce Hall... To the Miami game, and it took us a couple uh, of weeks to go through that hangover. And then the Duke game, we get opportunities as a defense and cause a lot of turnovers, and we win. Then we go to that North Carolina game. Y'all remember that? Nobody thought we had a chance to really beat that North Carolina game because we were struggling defensively, and Sam Howell was, and it was hitting on all cylinders. And guess what we did? Went blow for blow because at the end of the day, they could not get close to Bryce Perkins. And we realized complimentary football is – 
we're going to pick up the slack for you defense. And that's why I feel like this year, as an offense, I want us to stay aggressive because we got to pick up the slack for the defense. Not saying the defense is bad, but the defense has been riddled with injuries now. Dre Walker played the first quarter, got an interception. I didn't care about the 14-yard discrepancy. They were at the 34-yard line. He got the interception at the 20-yard line. Young man, get your first career interception. Don't let nobody be super coach on these apps. Talking about we needed them. Them 14 yards ain't make a difference. Get your interception, man. We won't turnovers. Thank you. Get the interception. Um, but then Dre got banged up and he didn't play the second half. And I just felt like even back there we couldn't really do what we want because Dre is a really good man to man corner in my opinion. I just felt like he was the perfect Yang to Cohen King's Yang. I think they play well off each other as bookends. I really do. Because I really feel like he can do things that Cohen can't do. And Cohen on the, on the close side, if, Cohen's in the, if Cohen is in the boundary, and a lot of times you get a close side, meaning that's a tight end side, Cohen is the perfect corner you want on a close side. Now you putting a natural box safety who's playing corner back in the box. Now we could do some things. And we started doing some things. But then BC came out in the third quarter and saw what we were trying to do. And they adjusted. I just want to talk about that third quarter for them offensively. What they did offensively to our defense, they realized that we they was going to continue to wear us out. I really felt like that. They just kept running downhill, 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 pull. They kept running belly, belly, just pulling the guard and center, pulling the guard and center, going to the boundary, motioning away, orbit away to the field, got a close inside. Then we taking the safety, putting them to the field too. Then they outnumbering us and they pulling and going back to the boundary. And they were just working us and working us and working us and working us. Getting the third and six, running quarterback power. Getting the third, fourth and two, running inside quarterback zone. Like, I want, you know, that that's why I don't, I don't, y'all don't remember, like, y'all don't really see me really get in the, if if it's third and short, fourth and short, we got to get in the center. Because at, at the end of the day, man, again, a lot of these teams just execute. Now, if it's fourth inches with our offensive line, yeah, I admit, you do, you might as well just go quarterback sneak. You need to. Even third and two. Just go quarterbacks need back to back time. You can just fall for it. Get the touch push. Hell, do what the Eagles do. See if it worked for you. But I did like that we went under center and we snuck it, even though we got a penalty. I I, I give you a round of applause, but I ain't gonna hit hit the round of applause. But let me let me let me tell you guys, let me give you a, a quarter by quarter breakdown. The first let me give you the tale of two quarters. I'm gonna go second quarter and third quarter. Look at these two tale of two quarters. Check this out. So the second quarter, UVA gained 171 yards of offense on 20 plays. 10 to 13, 146 yards passing, and then seven rushes for 25 yards. Mike Hollins had one rush for 13 yards. Paris Jones had one carry for five yards. And then Musket had four carries for 20, but lost 14 due to sacks. So he, he averaged... You know, one you know, one yard after that. And then we held Boston College to eighty seven yards on seventeen plays. We won that quarter fourteen to seven. This is going into halftime. Now granted, 
the touchdown before the half was a Hail Mary, in which worked in our favor with the hands to the face, with the helmet coming off. Oh, just the helmet coming off. Um, but then look, look at this third quarter. So we we gained 171 going into halftime. We rolling, right? So we went from 96 in the first quarter to 171 in the second quarter. To 12 damn yards in the third quarter. 12. Eight plays, 12 yards. Musket went four of five. Four of five for 12 yards. You complete four passes for 12 yards. That was something like Shador started out like four for four for like 12 yards or something like that when he was playing USC yesterday. So you come out of the break. And you gain 12 yards as an offense. And then our defense give up 176 just because you three in and out real quick. That ain't complimentary football. As much as I want to be like, damn, defense will be doing. Defense did make them settle for a field goal. Let me see. They came out of half. They ran one, two, three, four, five. Oh, that's the fourth quarter, my bad. Let me look at the third quarter play chart. So they first drive, they had the ball. How many plays? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve plays. Was that the field goal? Yeah. So that was twelve plays. That was the field goal drive. Then we get the ball three and out. They get the ball back. One. To, I remember that we got the pass interference. I remember that. Castellanos incomplete pass interference on coin. I'm, yeah, that one on coin was pretty iffy. That was iffy right there. And then coin got beat on a on a fade route. So that took them one, two, three, four, five plays to score. Then the offense get the ball back. First and ten, two and eight. We get a pass interference. Then we throw a short pass to Kobe Pace for four yards, and the next time we throw an interception. Then they get the ball right back, and they score in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. After they got a fourth and three for a quarterback run up the middle. And do you know that touchdown pass was terrible? They got twins with the outside receiver on the line of scrimmage. Our outside corner is playing press. Slot. The safety is on the slot, like eight yards off. And for some reason, we head up versus outside leverage. I would think in that situation, you'll be more outside shade just because there's a lot of field. Like, you don't want them just to run a go route with all that field to the outside. Snap of the ball, the receiver comes off lollygagging. Most of the time, when I lined up on somebody in press, I'm kind of peeking to the end like I'm peeking I'm kind of like I'm kind of like looking at the quarterback looking at the four like by formation with that twins like that I'm kind of giving some space and looking like yo we it could be a natural rural route but they run a just a bubble screen and they score because we run into each other 
we don't even realize that the number one receiver just walking off. Like his whole body language let you know he not getting the ball. You stop being like you can't have tunnel vision right there. And I don't know if Harrod was screaming like bump, 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 or screen, screen, screen. I, if he won't say screen, something wrong. Like they came right out and threw that bubble screen. That that right there, that was disgusting to watch. That hurt my heart to see that. You know what I'm saying? So let's go to Twitter. Let me see who had questions. We just went aggressive in the second half. And look, it won't because they was bringing heat. Because they were bringing heat in the first quarter. They brought six on on the, t- the second touchdown pass we had. They brought six. We picked it up. We're no. I do. Re- I do want Dez to incorporate more mess routes and understand that when he went those wide twins, we ran that quick screen to the boundary to Malik one time. Anytime we went wide twins, the defense really has to declare what they're in because the twins are so far removed from the box that those. Those inside defenders really got to get out there to play in between because we had a big rush from Mike Hollins when we went to that wide twin set because they couldn't get lined. Both times, it was like all three three times we ran that formation, they couldn't get lined up, and we hiked the ball. I really like that formation because I really feel like you could do a lot. If they're not pressing the point, you can run quick screen. If they are pressing the point, you can act like you running screen to the outside guy and fake it and run a rub up the sideline. Like, it's so many things you could do out of that, in my opinion. It helps the offense, I mean, understand what the defense is trying to do. So, um, let me see some questions here. What's behind the inability to run the ball against a team like BC? Just an inexperienced O-line or bad scheme? I thought run blocking was supposed to be easier for offensive line than pass blocking. Am I correct? Shout out to Mark. Um... So I don't know if pass blocking is easier than run blocking. I've asked various linemen, and it's mixed. It depends on the individual. Some individuals feel like pass pass pro is easier versus run blocking. I really feel like just talking to, you know, various former linemen about our offensive line, like this technique. We just got to improve on our technique. Like sometimes we're just too high. They get up under our pad. They just push us back. It's almost like we Velcro. We just absorb everybody versus really firing off. Even when we pass pro, it seems like we don't shoot our hands out. Like they're kick slide and they're being positioned to strike. And it's almost like they hug and they get pushed back. And a lot of times teams now, I saw BC late in the game, was really trying to just bull rush. They were just bull rushing. Also, while I'm thinking about it, this is why I think Coach Elliott really pissed off the fan base this game. When we punted on their 37. And if I'm not mistaken, it seemed like Tony Muskett really wanted to go for it. And the players really wanted to go for it. And coach was like telling them to get off the field. And they was kind of looking like, yo, we really punting right now? Like, I'm with them. You're going against a coach in Boston. Like, here's the one thing I can say about Boston College. And you know what, fans? Y'all might be right in the way y'all be telling me we, we got this record. We might as well. But the Boston College coach, now granted, they ain't had the best success over since like since he's been a head coach, I don't think. But they say he's one of the most aggressive coaches, meaning he's going to go for it on fourth down. His players know they're going to be aggressive. They always feel like they got a fighting chance. If you watch them play this year, they got down early and came back on everybody to at least make it a game. But when we went for it, when we did not go for it, 
on fourth down and we happen to get and we you know good thing we got the ball back right coach we got the ball back but when we punted the ball on a 37 yard line bro ain't no way boy ain't no way ain't no way boy that's what i thought ain't no way we really punted the ball like ain't you i can't defend it's fourth and four fourth and four We was on the 37, the 37 yard line. 37. And we punted the ball with Will. Not Will. I'm sorry. That ain't Will. With Daniel. You know Daniel ain't coughing, kicking nothing. Man, Daniel ain't coughing, kick the kick yet. He's a, he's, he, four, he going yard with it. He ain't slap button. He ain't sacrifice flying. He going yard. That's when people got pissed off at you, coach. I'm just being honest. I'm being real because you my guy. That's when people got pissed off at you. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, come on. Because I understood not going for the fourth and one versus NC State and trying to point. But then after seeing that situation and how – because did you win a punter in the end zone anyway? Anyway, if it comes to trying to play short field, nah. So, but uh, uh, what's the other questions? We we've been been an hour. Here we go. Other questions. Other questions. My bad. I got sidetracked. Something just popped in my head. Richard said, "What's the one thing you think that would have flipped the last two games from losses to wins?" Great question. Um, NC State game. We score when if we if we score if we really execute red zone offense when Malik took that short screen play, sixty yards, and got to like the seven. If we really dial some up and score seven right there, that changes the dynamic of the game in my opinion. When we get within the 10 and we can't score seven, I always feel like we're going to lose this game. That's been our MO since Coach Elliott took over. Inability to score touchdowns in the red zone. You remember the Miami game last year? That that came to bite us in the high parts. Like, we get long we get long runs pushed out of the one long run. Somebody, like, we trip and fall. God bless the dead. But it's just unfortunate situations, and we just can't finish. So I felt like that play at NC State. This game, what's the one play? I feel like if Tony Musket could get that throwback for the interception and lead Malachi Fields up the field once he saw the corner was playing trail technique outside in, if he would have just threw him up the field, you get that throwback and we complete that pass, I think we win that game. I really do. I think we win that game. So I think if I could if if I could flip those two plays, I just go on one play, uh, those two plays, period. But um next question. Let's see. 
reasons to be hopeful about the future of Virginia football. I can't speak for other folks, man, but, you know, I love the program. I love the young talent that we have, you know, whether, you know, like you see Calandra, you see uh, Dre Walker, you see Cam Robinson, um, you got Twitty, you got um, Harrison, you got Gibson, you got some young talent just getting burned on the defensive line, just want to continue developing off. Like, I see some promise. Like, I see that we can, like, here's the thing. For folks who saying, we wouldn't win a game or we win one or two. Nobody expected us to jump out and compete with Maryland as long as we did. So that's what pisses people off because they like, oh, they better than what I thought they were. That's what irritates everybody. Like for us to jump out and dominate Boston College, that show like, yo, we actually better than what we perceive, but we just can't finish. So that's showing that we losers So because we just can't finish. You got to learn how to finish to be a true winner. You know how to finish. To be a true winner, you know how to come out of halftime with self-motivation. Not no cooked up, coach got to give me one for the gipper type of speeches. Because with any speech, it, t- it still takes the player to take it amongst themselves to light a fire up out of their own hind pots and to go out there and play for each other. Like sooner or later, you got to realize like, bro, you on film and the scout ain't going to say, Oh, well, his coach was bad. No, you still not performing. Period. That's accountability. That's the that's that's the mindset of a champion. Now, as coaches, they know they got to get better. But here's my thing with the coaches: you got to be some follow through. It's like Mike Singletary said: your backup may be two levels below you, but if you keep messing up, I'm I'm setting a precedent. I give you a prime example, man. And we've been over an hour. My bad. It's just been a long episode. When I played in my first year in the Arena Football League for the Colorado Crush in 2003, our coach was a guy that was a scout for the Broncos and did things with the Broncos. And the Arena game was a different game. And, um, you know, he had some good coaches, but the coaches couldn't control the personalities that were on the team. And I'm not saying that's happening here. I'm just using my own personal experience to kind of take you behind the curtain. And I was a young rookie as well. I had a strong personality. Didn't have the best discipline. Would talk hella trash, get in the other coach's face. Coach never sat me down, never did nothing. I was like super disrespectful, very unprofessional. Nothing happened all year. Led all rookies in interceptions, but you couldn't tell me nothing. We won two games. We beat the Indiana Firebirds and the Tampa Bay Storm. Now, the Indiana Firebirds had uh, Eddie Brown. That's Antonio Brown's father. He's one of the best receivers in arena football history. His name is Touchdown Eddie Brown. The head coach for the Indiana Firebirds was Mike Daly. We beat Indiana for our first win. Then we beat Tampa a couple weeks later. We had two wins on the season, 2-14. Super undisciplined, didn't care. <clears throat> had a lot of talent, felt like our coaches were good in their own right, but they didn't police us the way we need to be policed, in my opinion. So end of the year, they 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 fired our current coach, bring in a new coach, which was Mike Daly, the guy in Indiana that we beat. He brought in some of his staff, and then he co- he kept a cu- couple of the coaches that was on the current staff. <clears throat> 
And I remember the first day he took the job, he remembered when I played them and just talked to other coaches about me. Remember, he contacted me while I was back in Virginia. And he goes, you know, hey, partner. He's like, hey, partner, this is Mike Daly, new head coach of the Colorado Crush. And I'm going to tell you something, partner. I think you're a very good football player. Heck of an athlete. But there's one thing I don't tolerate, partner. Your attitude. So if you want a job here, partner, you better fix it. Or you're going to be out of here. Zero tolerance. So I hang up the phone and my ego starts to say, well, shit, we beat y'all last year. Like, how he going to tell me what to do? But granted, he had been a champion and then a championship coach. Get to camp. Playing, going through camp, having a good camp. And I remember what he said, so I'm on my best behavior, right? On my best behavior. <laughs> like, because I don't want to get cut. It's like my second year, you know? So I'm having a good camp, playing, playing. And then one day I had a bad day. I remember I had a bad day. And uh, then I had another bad day. And something happened in practice. Like, like I got in a scrum. Like, it was all, like an almost fight with a teammate. But I kind of like remember what he told me and I ain't say nothing. And he blew the whistle. He was like, God, D word, you better fight for every inch. You don't let nobody get in your face. You don't do that. Like he let me have it. And I'm looking at him like, but fool, you told me I couldn't do what I usually do. You know what I'm saying? In my head. So I remember going, <laughs> going into practice, going to enter practice in his office. And I said, can I talk to you, coach? He was like, I was expecting you. So I'm like, what? He go, do you think I'm fair? Like, what you mean? He's like, do you do you think I treat you fair? And I go, you know, full trans, can I be fully transparent? He was like, yeah. I was like, nah, man, I feel like you baby, you know, one of my other teammates, you, you coddle him, but you be riding my ass and then I can't say nothing. He goes, partner, you mis- you you misunderstood or misinterpreted what I told you when I called you. I said I won't tolerate your like your unprofessionalism and your immatureness when it comes to like talking shit to I mean not shit I'm sorry 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 kids for cussing talking trash to other coaches. He said, but never lose your edge. Your edges would make you the a better ball player, and I ride you because I know it pisses you off, and when you pissed off, you play better. So I can't treat everybody the same, but I I. I've learned how to push buttons with different players. And once that player understands what I want from them, they got a choice to make. Either they follow through or they getting up out of here. And I, I lie to you not, bro. We were 2-14 and 14 the year before. We started the first game. We won the first game. We came back. We was down by, uh, what was it? We were down by 11 points with 20 seconds left. We scored and then kicked the onside and scored again. So we won the first game of the year. I think we started off 2-0, then we lost to Chicago. And after we lost to Chicago, one of our D, one of my DB partners got cut. We won a couple more games. We lost again. Long story short, every time we lost, somebody lost their job. Like somebody was getting fired. And we was like, whoa, what's going on? I was like, yo, coach, are you cutting people just because we getting fired? He was like, nah. He said, but that'll probably wake you up. In other words, he was doing things to shift the culture. 
And it was usually like a bubble guy he was firing, like somebody that he felt like he could replace anyway. But then he would take starters and just bench them too, like if you lost. I guess what I'm trying to say is now it might be time for like Tony to shift the culture in a sense. There's guys that's been struggling that you might need to sit. And it might be a step back. But you got to like open up the eyes and let people know like you're not safe. We know guys have made, you know, like I know you made changes at corner. Like you made changes at corner and you could have changed, made changes at offensive line too. Again, you could have took a step back offensive line, but they know they've been struggling. You, they, they need, we need to recalibrate. And sometimes that can be, a, that could be cancerous within your program if somebody is struggling and you're really, like you can bench somebody and still believe in them. You could pull them, teach them how to see the game from the outside in, get in the film room, understand what they were doing wrong, help their brother who just took their position do well, show that leadership, and that can overall make you better and also help the morale of the team because it's like, yo, you see they struggling and you still playing them. And then the backup is like, damn, I can't get no burn, so you might lose them too, and it might be a trickle-down effect. It really it really could be that way because we see so many other positions, they get rotated. They do. We see one guy was a starter here. Now he ain't a starter no more. We see one guy used to get burned here a lot. They don't get burned a lot no more, and they healthy. So I'm just saying for, for me personally, you have to make some changes up front. It's going to have to be some, sh- like you made one shuffle, it worked. But if a certain individual or individuals are struggling, you're going to need to make the change. And you may take a step back. But they may wake them up. I don't know if it's going to wake them up until you do something to wake them up. If somebody get pulled and they quit on themselves, then they just quit. You did your job as a, like, here's the thing. As a coach, and I'm going to get on my soapbox because I'm not a coach. But I feel like if I'm a coach, I'm going to exhaust every option versus continue to do the same thing. Because, yeah, you got faith in folks. But even with faith in somebody, you still could say it's about that time. Ain't nothing wrong with still saying, yeah, it's about that time. Like Nick Howells is my guy. Our daughters play soccer together. When people's coming at Nick, I'm trying to protect Nick. And I knew the personnel we had, you know, and what we were trying to do. But then when schematically things is going to happen, I'm just, I just understood like, yo, they just tired of him, bro. I can't, I can't fault it, bro. They tired of him. Now you, you got a job at Vanderbilt, but it's like, you just got to be like, yo, man, they ain't tripping. Like, ah, the data ain't helping, bro. Like, ah, mm. it ain't helping. Because the, the the reason why it's not, it really kind of, kind of confirmed it. Because the very next year, it was a kid that was playing corner here that looked a whole lot better with another guy teaching them and got a whole lot more confidence. So it was like, ah. It was some. It was some truth there. Saying kid became all ACC. That y'all remember? People talk used to talk bad about Cypress. Used to talk bad about him, and he struggled, and his confidence was shot. And don't get me wrong, man. The, the added pass rush definitely helps. The scheme definitely helped, but he performed. So, as a coach, you gotta like. 
you got to go to, to you guys up front. Like, bro, are y'all confident? Because we just doubled Boston College's sack total. If you're not confident, I'm going to get you up out of there. You got to have them come, come, to, come to the gods type of conversations, man. That's just me outside looking in. Of what I like, people always say, "What would you do, ball hawk, if you was the head coach?" If I was the head coach, I told y'all what I would have did leading up to this game. Like as far as like sitting guys that had some personal fouls, thing like I told you, like that's just because that's just why I'm from. Like I, that's why I told you the Mike Daly story. Like Coach Daly was cutting dudes when we would lose that year. We went eleven and five, so we went from two and fourteen to eleven and five. That was 2004. Then we, do you know we won the whole Arena Bowl the very next season? Was the number one seed in our conference? Because it was drilled in us on what and what not to. Like, Coach Daly helped us understand the importance of flags and being disciplined and doing the little things. And he drilled it home and he sat people and he ran the hell out of you and he scolded you and he fined you. Like, you knew if you made a dumb mental error, he was putting your high pots on front street. Your, 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 your wallet was going to be a little lighter and you, you was on something physically at practice. Well, it was a hold, missed tackle, drop ball. You knew. You knew. And they followed through. And he'll say, hey, partner, you might be one of our best players. It don't matter. Got too many M.E.s, mental errors. You can't have these me's out here. Don't be out here having a lot of me's. And right now we got a lot of me's, mental errors. And a mental error usually says, look at me. I'm effing up. Hey, coach, I'm effing up. Get me out of here. That's what it's telling the coach. If you have an M.E.s every game, how many holding penalties you got? Hmm. How many offsides or, or, um, Illegal percent, illegal procedure penalties you got. Like we went and documented guys each and every game. How many MEs they got? How many coverages you blown? How many tackles you missed? How many times you not lined up right? What's your grade after each game? How are you grading out? You might be grading yourself out of a position. But that's what I got, man. It's disappointing to see the potential and the fight. And then how we don't know how to finish yet. And again, no, you don't like nobody can give you. I can't just touch a player, but like, you're going to finish today. No. First of all, you got to be physically ready. Because I think. With the injuries and being depleted up front now on the defensive side of the ball, it's taking a toll on us, and the young guys are doing a good job of filling in, and Rudd is doing a good job of schematically trying to change things up. So here's the thing. The defense wasn't what it was last year. We gave up over 200 yards rushing. They still got us the ball four extra possessions. They caused four turnovers. That's four extra possessions for the offense. When I think of complimentary football, I think of if I get an extra possession, I got to score points. It's not just about helping them get breaks 
No, I'm gonna score. I'm gonna help a brother out. If I throw an interception, the defense is like, I'm gonna get the ball back for you. That's complimenting football to me. I did not think our defense would be as strong because of I knew what we lost. But I didn't see teams really running on us like this because of the guys we had up front. You know what I'm saying? Like teams are really investing running at us. Like when we came out that break versus JMU, they said, bump it, we running at you. Even Maryland was like, bump it, we going to run at you with our third back, the back that y'all don't know about. And then Boston College said, bump it, we going to run right in. Because the running game sets up the passing game. Because I'll give you a, you know, everybody loves stats, right? I mean, overall, because we always look at yards per carry a lot for running backs. If you look at their running back, yards per carry, it wasn't that impressive. He had one big quarter that was impressive. Overall, he had 87 yards on 23 carries, but he averaged less than four yards a carry. Mike Hollins averaged actually 4.3, but he only ran the ball three times. Kobe Pace averaged 2.8 on 10 carries. And P. Jones averaged 4.5 on 9 carries. And then Musket averaged 0.6 because he lost 35 yards on being sacked five times. Musket had, really, he had 9 carries for 44 yards before you factor in the five sacks because the five sacks count as carries. Malik Washington could have been the first receiver to have 100 yards in four straight games at this university. He had 97 yards on nine catches. I think he had like 80-something. Malachi and and Malik had 80-plus yards at halftime. That's crazy. I mean, we we got to find – we found ways to get – so Malik – Basically, receiving yards came from the two flip passes we gave him. The one that was on third and two that we ran that, yeah, we got to X that too. I get it. We did it on first down. You got good yards. But third and short, they creeping up at the box. That angle. And I know you might, you better just throwing the ball. Spreading people out throwing the ball. Like Malik didn't have a single catch in the fourth quarter. Malachi didn't have a single catch in the fourth quarter. Jaden had one catch for seven yards. Sackett Wood had one catch for 10 years. And Sackett was actually getting open in the middle of the field. I, I mean, it was the pressure, but our tight ends were, it was getting, you know, it was getting open. Man, we had 27 yards in the fourth. I'm done. 27 yards in the fourth quarter? 12 yards? Oh, my God. This stinks. I'm done. I ain't talking no more, man. Hey, man, that's the pocket. That That's. That's, oh my God, you talking about not showing up at all. 12 yards in the fourth quarter. No, that's the, oh my bad, that's the third. That's the third. 27 yards on 16 plays. Bro, that's less than two yards a play. 16 times two is 32. We had 27. That's. (sighs) 
one of five on third down. They was actually zero of four on third downs in the fourth quarter. Good is enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. Never let nobody tell you you can't do what you set your mind out to do, man. We got to get better. Any more questions I forget? Uh, let me see. Let me, because I'm, this is, ain't no way, boy. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Less than 50 yards. Ain't no, do you think Coach Elliott would look at the second half of the game and think, let's go win this thing versus let's just stay in the game? Seems very playing not to lose rather than playing to win. As an underdog, I feel like chances is more needed to win. He going to have to, man. You're on fire. I tell you what, though, if Coach be out here straight hucking and chucking and being aggressive, let's just, you know, let's keep the same energy. That's all I say. Because sometimes I feel like you're going to lose, lose as a coach. You know, you, you're aggressive. You want to go for that. Nah, nah. I'm with you, dog. I'm with you, Ricky. Yeah, he got to go for all the coaches not making the right adjustments. All the players just not executing. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Because I'm, I'm not in the locker room, so I could, I could just say it's probably both. They may not be making adjustments or they try to make an adjustment and it's not executed. Execution not so good due to, men, men, uh, due to the injuries, new guys being thrown in, and depending on the overall state of the program. Um, and how do you fix the O-line problem? You got to shuffle some guys around, put some new guys in there. But that's it, man. It's 90 minutes. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. It's still Wahoo Wah. Got to get through the storm. Got to be patient. No, I don't want to say got to be patient. We got to we gotta want – you continue to want more, but you be honest with the, your assessments and understand what you got. You assess what you have. Assess what the solutions can be. And th- that's how we move forward. Don't – I don't want to compare ourselves to anybody else. Our path is our path. It just is what it is. Like in your life, you can't just look at somebody, oh, they did it, I could do it. No, that don't mean you could do it. You got to make the decision to do it and follow through and understand the game plan you set forth on yourself and when it gets tough, how to have the mental fortitude to fight through and keep doing it. That's why I don't, that's why I really don't like comparison. I like comparison to give you an idea of like a player's skill set. But as far as like program trajectory and this person turning the program around, that person turning the program around, that's a lot of things. And when people share the difference, we got to stop saying, oh, y'all just making excuses. Like, no. We get, they give you the lay of the land. And at the end of the day, one person might just be better than the next. Right? Because that's what it boils down to. He might just be better at his job at that institution than this person is at his job at this institution. Steve Kerr once said, if you were to put him on what, the New York Knicks, he probably wouldn't be the coach he is now, but he was blessed enough that he got with Golden State and he had those snipers waiting for him. And Clay and uh, Steph, then boom, Phil Jackson, same way. I mean, because people always say, what would Phil Jackson be without an all-time great shooting guard and then also an all-time great big man and Shaq? People always say, you know, Popovich did more with less, but Popovich had Hall of Famous as well. Like, everybody need, like, you got coaches who did more with less. Uh, what's the coach that, Larry Brown? He was a coach that known to do more or less, but then, you know, anyway, let me get off this old box. Appreciate y'all. Subscribe. If you have any thoughts, um, when I share this on the Sabre, put it 
underneath in the box, man. I appreciate you. Salute to my man Chris Wright for always allowing me to share my content on the Saber. Um, and if you ever want to reach me, you can just DM me on Twitter at I am Ballhawk. Email me, um, the Ballhawk Show. No, it's the Ballhawk Nine. <laughs> the Ballhawk Nine at gmail.com. About to get out of wrong. They gonna email. Um, but I know if you go to my website at you can go to the suggestion the the box at the bottom and uh, directly email your thoughts to me. I mean, yeah, I'm rambling. All right, man, y'all be blessed. Have a great day. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate support of the program. I know it's tough. I don't got all the answers, Sway. I never said I had all the answers, but I'm definitely gonna support who's ever coaching our our young ones, whether it's man, female, don't matter which sport. I'm gonna support a Virginia coach until it's time for them to ride off into the sunset. Then when the next one come in, I'm going to fully support them. I ain't saying I'm caping for them, but that's just me. I'm going to support somebody. I'm going to support you. If I'm your homie and I know you, I'm going to support you. And you're going to want me to be right there having your back. (laughs) All right, man. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.